Okay, Booker Toe. Uh, today's daf is Chafet, but we are uh, a bit behind, so we're going to probably go really uh, uh, quickly today, um, relatively quickly. We pick up at the very bottom of Chafal Hamadalas, and the question we're dealing with is, um, what is the story about Sibi Rishus Harabim, the edges of Rishus Harabim, if an animal eats from it, is that considered Rishus Harabim or not? Um, and as I said, it doesn't really seem to be a question of where the animal is standing versus where the animal is eating. Um, it seems to be like if it was a clear Rishus HaYachid, then the food's in Rishus HaYachid, the face is in Rishus HaYachid. You know, it's a Rishus HaYachid, it's a Rishus HaNiza. The point is that if it's either Rishus HaRabim, it's this gray zone, which is quite close, which is quite associated with Rishus HaRabim, is that Rishus HaRabim or not? So anyway, it was the made of Rabin Shmuel. Everybody agreed if the animal walked into Rishisha Rabin with doing the real incursion, it would be seen as a, as a not Rishisha Rabin. But the animal just turned its head and ate from it, and since that's stuff it has access to while it's in Rishisha Rabin, that might be considered Rishisha Rabin. That was the first debate. The second debate, and let's pick up, the second interpretation we'll pick up from this is Vadim of Kafal from Adalas. Um, it says the following. The Hachi Yitzmar. Okay, I'm sorry. The Igadami, the Mechazeres, eight lines from the bottom. Mechazeres, Kuleyamalo, Pliti, Techayevet. If the animal just turns its head and eats from the side, everybody agrees that it is Chayev, which is interesting, which means that that's considered to be a Rishihaniza, even though the animal has access to it. Since it has to turn its head, it's not directly in front of the animal. So since it doesn't have direct access to it when it's in Rishish Harabim, that's considered Rishud Anizak. So that's a very narrow, if you want a very broad definition of Rishud Anizak, a very narrow definition of Rishud Harabim. So that's important. Um, Somebody basically has allowed the Rabim to use his property. Here's his property, it's adjoining the Rishud Harabim. He makes a fence here, and he allows the first foot or two to, for, the, for the Rabim to use. He doesn't give a title, he allows him to use it. So it's not seen in Rishud Harabim because this is a, this actually now becomes a space that the main usage of the rabin, it's part of the main three, people actually go there regularly. It's not off the side. I mean, maybe it's physically off the side, but in terms of usage, it literally is used as part of Rishud rabin. But technically, he still has title. So is that considered Rishud Hanizak, or is that considered Rishud rabin? That was on Muxa, like... Yeah, to set aside. Yeah, exactly. When is it that it's considered Rishud Anizak if the animal turns its head and it's actually not not functionally part of Rishud Arabim? Mm-hmm. If he actually gives his place to be used by the Rabim and it's functionally part of Rishud Arabim, Pura is exempt. Interesting here, now the Gemara has Rav being more more exempting and Shmuel more obligated. No, even in that case, it's Chayev because technically it is not the Rishud Arabim. Now, maybe this debate can be mapped onto the debate of uh, what's the story if, if, it's an, if, it's a, if I dig a well on my property and then I mosque in my property um, and my property adjoins to Shadar Abib. So I let everybody use the space around it. So effectively, I made all the property around my well with Shadar Abib. Okay? Mosque in my property, not mosque the bore. The bore is still my domain. Now, that's not the classic bore is. I dig it in with Shadar Abib. So I've done, in that case, it's two things. Number one is, I don't own it. Um, so, and, you know, and, and my digging of it was in a sp- I didn't have a right to dig it. And I basically, you know, completely violated the space of the rabin by digging my well. Here, when I did it, it was totally okay. And now, even though I've masked it and let everybody use the space around it, I could still say, yes, but you have no right to use my bore. This is still my bore. I still retain final. You have no right to use it. So that becomes an interesting debate whether or not I'm hired in that case. Now, what does that have to do with this issue? So what the Gemara is going to say, what it has to do with this issue is, is that now, basically, I've put my fruit here, okay, in the space that I've given over to the robin to use. Now, the fruit, especially an animal where it's trip on it, right, would I be chayim or not? So if you'd say, that's similar to the case, I had a right to put my fruit there, it is my fruit, it's my property, it is my property, but then I allowed everybody to use that space, but I still own that fruit. So it's sort of like the board that I own, and I allow people to use the space around it. So the assumption is going to be the following. If I would be higher if your animal got damaged on that type of a board, then, then once I've done that, and that board is somehow seen as in violation, and then you have a right to seize the fruit. You have a right to, you know, because the whole board is in a type of, is in like violation, and that's a Gemara later, that if I sort of put a hazard in Rashid Arabim, not a boar, you know, people have a right to seize it. And you didn't take it? it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a later discussion, cool. but yeah. It's a type of a knas, okay? Yeah. 
okay? But if I'm exempt, and therefore I did nothing wrong by having the food there, so then maybe you'd be high if your animal ate it. It's so kind right? of like eminent domain, right? Yeah. Correct. Let's, I, this is uh, complicated because it draws on another studio, so I want to move through this quickly so we can get to the next one. Let's take a look. Okay. Rav's, uh, uh, so let, Rav Dhammer Pata, Rav that says you're exempt when the animal eats that fruit, because of a chayav, that this is a type of a boar in your domain, and you'd be chayav, and therefore, since you're, you've, you've done this, this boar in violation, somebody, the animals are not going to be liable, you know, somebody's not going to be liable for damages. Shmuel Amar Chayav, and Shmuel says you're Chayav for the animal eating the fruit. That you'd be exempt on this, and therefore you're not in violation. And therefore, the animal is eating fruits in your domain, where the fruit is not in violation, and therefore going to be Chayav. I'm like a Rav, I will tell you no. I can tell you, normally a boar in your own domain, you're Patur, even if you were mafia the space around it. Okay? So if that's true, if you're patur, so here too, so here you should say chayav because you're, there was nothing wrong by putting the fruit there. So why isn't the animal who eats from it obligated? So the gemara says no. Because the owner of the animal could say, you have no right to put your fruit right near the rishut harabim, and now you're going to make me obligated. So it's true. We can't use this boar idea as a basis of exemption. Forget boy. Like, you weren't even thinking about it before we mentioned it two minutes ago. Okay? Why are you exempt? You're exempt because functionally, like we assumed all along, functionally, <coughs> technically, this is still your Rishos, functionally, you've made it part of Rishon Rabin. You've made this Rishon part of Rabin functionally. I have a right to use that and to have my animals go through it. But it's not Sidi Rishon which have a different functional use. Okay? So once I have that right to do it, you're responsible. If you put your fruit right there, you're asking for trouble. Right? Just like we would have said before we mentioned the whole idea of war. If it's functionally Rashid Rabim, I'm exempt. You can't blame me if you were the one that put your fruit there. What? what? I don't know. When you met, when you were mocking yeah. Malcolm, maybe. Okay. Vishmuel Lama. Now, Shmuel will say, Ba'alma bor vishuto chayav. Normally, you're chayav. Now, this is a little more complicated. If normally you're chayav, by putting it here, you did something wrong. So, why should I be obligated if my animal damages it? The Bishlema, no, you could, you could even say your chayv. The Bishlema bore, no, and Shmuel is the one that says your chayv if your animal eats from it. The Bishlema bore ikomena lava daite. No, because here's the difference. Because by a bore, I could say I'm chayv because you don't see a well, right? A well is like flush with the ground and it's not obvious. The whole problem with the well is that you're, you know, you, it's, it's like, you, you, it's like, you, you, well, you trip in it. It's like it's not raised from the ground. It's easy to miss it. Okay, you can see it, all right, which means, yet, nor, if this was a well, you would be higher, but because it's fruit, okay, the animal can see the fruit, so because you can't be, so therefore you cannot be mechai of me for making a boar, and since you can't be mechai of me for making a boar, this fruit doesn't constitute a boar because it's obvious and visible, therefore you did not have a right to take it or damage it. Since you didn't have a right to take it or damage it, so now you'll be high because technically this is your issue. So basically what the Gemara says is this was just a distraction, a distraction. It's a complicating factor which you're just in a bracket, okay? Either it's meaning, yes, you could be, I don't care, you're, you, you could be putts around your boar, but, uh, but that's not the read, but meaning, Whatever you hold by the board, okay? Either this isn't the board that you'd be high on, so that doesn't give you a right to damage it, okay? And even if a normal board you'd be putzed around, we can just have this discussion of whether this is considered a shudarabim and ignore the board question, which is what we were doing anyway in the first place, okay? So the board tries to link it to this question of, is it a board that gives you right to seize the property? And says, look, let's not, forget the board issue. That's not relevant. Let's just deal with this on its own. Okay, what? Would you say what I thought that is? Okay, that's going to be discussions when we get to Boar. Okay, let's keep on moving. Okay, Leilin the Chazeres tonight. Let's see the Chazeres is the debate of tonight. The time we got a brighter. Alchem itoch arachava mishalemis mashe nehem. Itzid arachava mishalemis mashe zika. Diver Rabbi Meir. That's what our mission says. That's the words of Rabbi Meir. From the street is mashe mashe nehem. That's what Rabbi. The side of the street is is b'shur hanizak. Diver Rabbi Meir Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Liezer Omim ain't dark olechol el lahalech. An animal doesn't eat; it just keeps on moving. What does that mean? We assume that means that he's saying that it doesn't eat from the side of the street. So it should have kept on moving. The side of the street is a Rishur HaNizak. So that's what the Tanakhama says. The side of the street was a Rishur HaNizak. So the Mar says, 
Okay, it must be the debating mechazeres. So the kind of stuff of mechazeres nami mishal mashenemis. When the Tanakh kind of said when it eats from the side of the street, it meant that it went fully over to the side. It stood on the side of the street. That's when it's chayil. But if it just turned its head, it would be potter. Okay. Rebiosi suffered. No, Mishalemus Mashezika. Even if it just turns its head, an animal should be moving straight. It shouldn't be turning its head. So even if it just turned its head, that's considered a space the animal shouldn't be going, and that's essentially Rashut Hanizak. But says, no, not necessarily. We could say that every that Mechazeris is either always going to be Chayev, because it's you, you know, it's it's not it, we assume that it's not in the in the in the normal access range of the animal. Animals shouldn't be turning their heads and it's not part of Rashid Rabin. Or we could say it's Potter, it is in the access range. Animals do sometimes turn their head and it's connected to Rishad Rabin and it's associated with it and it's going to be Potter. You can say one way or the other. The Hafla, so what's this discussion about? The BRB say Acher Kamisogi. Now the one's gonna go and suggest something totally radical. Okay? Maybe it's a fundamental definition of debate of what BRB say Acher means. Marsavar BRB say Acher below Rishad Rabin. Okay, which is meaning, and if it's, as long as it's not Rishit Harabim, and therefore Tzidei Rechava is not Rishit Harabim, fine, what's the other opinion? Umar Savar, Ubiyavisyacher, Vilob Rishut Hamazit. No, only, the only thing Biyavisyacher is saying is, is that if you bring your fruit into my domain, I can't be liable for what my animal does. But any space that is not my, the, the Mazik's domain, I'm going to be Chaya. So, you remember, a long time ago we said, right, you have a continuum, right? You have Rashid Rabin here, okay? And you have Rashid Hanizak here, okay, right? And here, right, you have all this space in between. So, right here you have Tzidei Rechava, okay? You know, you have all, you have, remember we had Rashid Shel Shnehem, you might remember. But we have a lot of types of spaces, right, that are in between. Right? Here, I've got full rights to go. Here I've got no rights to go. And there's a whole continuum of places in between. So until now, that was sort of our question of how do you define Steacher? Does it have to be the real stuff that I completely violate by going into? Or does it have to, you know, anything else is going to be putter, right? That's one way of sort of seeing the debate of Cedar Richard Robin. Or does it have to only the stuff that I have full right to be in and is the standard use or whatever, and anything else a little off the beaten path, like Tzidei Rechava, then I'm going to then I'm going to be Chayev. That's one way of discussing the debate of Tzidei Rechava. Also, whether you define Steacher as Yisrael Nizak, or you say what it means by Steacher is your Pater. Are you? Is it saying you're Chayev in Rishud Nizak? So that's going to mean you're going to be Pater in a wide range of things. Or do you say you're Pater in Rishud Aravim and you're going to be Chayev in a wide range of things? Everybody get that? Like that's like a classic way of thinking about things. That when you're defining something, the category that you wind up defining. You say it's the A, and everything else is the not A. So the category you want to defining winds up being the narrower category, because most things in this universe live in the not A space rather than in the A space. Okay, so that anyway. So are we saying are we basically saying you're high in the or are we basically saying you're Pachurishanabi? Anyway, what the Gemara has now suggested is even more radical. What the Gemara has now suggested is when it says Ubiya Bisaher, what it really means is that the only place you're Pachur is Rashut Hamazik. Okay, but in every other place other than Rishut Haramazik, then you're going to be Chayav. You're going to be even Chayav in Rishut Harabim. Okay, which is like crazy. So let's take a look. Okay, Umarza Rabiyah B'Tachir Velob Rishut Haramazik. So the Gemara and so you're going to be Chayav even in Rishut Harabim. Now, where it's exactly getting that from in this debate, I don't know. Uh, one minute. Let me just take Rashi because I don't even understand how that works out. But everything else you're going to be high of. So, oh, right. So the reason that when Rabbi Yossi says, what would it be? Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Lezer, Omin, Ein Darko Lechol, Elohaleich, means that, wait, no, that's sounding like they're going to be more being Mechayevi. I don't even get how to read this. I got to tell you. Like, what does the Shudamazik explain? Because if all it was meant was to be exempt from Rishad Mazik and you'd be chayiv in Rishad Rabin, I don't see anybody here saying you're chayiv in Rishad Rabin. Anyway, I, let's see what the Gemara says. Masav will be a b'sheachev alo b'sheachev Rabin. Masav will be a b'sheachev alo b'sheachev Mazik. Remember the b'sheachev Mazik, the b'sheachev of the Mazik. You don't need a pasuk to tell you that. Leima teirecha b'rishuti ma'bay. Who said you could bring your fruit into my domain? So you don't have to exclude Rishad Mazik. Ella. The ilfog Rabbi Yoshai Grinay. 
fine. Maybe the debate is not, in this Breita, is not about Mechazeres. Maybe the debate is Ilfa and Rebbe Oshai. You remember Ilfa and Rebbe Oshai? Well, those were when an animal is in Rishon and another animal eats off the back or jumps mm-hmm. on the back of another animal. Okay? So maybe that's what they're debating. Maybe the Tanakhama is saying, if it was anywhere in Rishon HaRabim, we're going to be exempt. And Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Eliezer are saying, an animal just walks in Rishon HaRabim. If an animal actually jumped on the back of another animal in Rishon HaRabim, then you're going to be high. Okay? So when he says... lower animal is your Rishon Well, right. That's the way the more discussive. When he says, ain't dark echol so what that means is, you're telling me that anything you eat in Rishis Rabin, your putter, I'm going to tell you that there are things you can eat in Rishis Rabin that it's not putter, that it should have been walking and it shouldn't have been eating. It doesn't, shouldn't be jumping on another animal's back and eating off of the other animal's back. So you can't prove from that debate that they are debating the issue of Tzidei Rishis Rabin. Okay, so the Gemara doesn't reconcile, doesn't resolve the question of Tzidei Rishis Rabin, but as I said, and um, that Tavamina there, that it's, the Pesach is only talking about Rishis Rabin, is very strange. I don't understand how it would have explained the Brayta. But, as I said, the interesting question, it's a very interesting for me, conceptual question. One way of framing the question is, do we understand fundamentally what we're saying is, if it's Rishis Rabin, everything else, you're putter. And then we're going to say something like, Chatzor Shoshnei Am Tzidi Rishis Rabin, you're going to be putter, because that's not fundamentally Rishis Hanizak. Or are we going to say, no, fundamentally Rishis Rabin, you're putter, because there you've got a right to be going, and everybody's on there, you know, if you're leaving your fruit there, it's, you know, it's at your own risk, etc. It's Hanizak, and anything that's not this, this overriding reason to be putter, you're going to be chayim. So that's one way of explaining where these middle cases, around those middle cases. Another way to just say it is, everybody agrees fundamentally, the definition is, Rishud HaRabim, your putter, but how functional versus how formalistic are we going to be in defining the nature of Rishud HaRabim? A place that's associated with Rishud HaRabim, that it sometimes has access to, but it's not fundamentally doing the same function. There's other different ways of framing exactly what the debate is of Tzidah Rishud HaRabim. But anyway, I find that these, ooh, that these marginal cases are always very interesting because they raise questions of exactly what's the nature of your definition. Yes. Rashi says that it's, uh, that's even so far about your five, but it's also that's your question, but that we said before that, that, that it would be Which are you talking about, about where it says, Mar-Savar. 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 Yeah, yeah, but I wasn't even just worried about how we said it before. I was just worried about how, how they read the Brighta. Where were they reading that word in the Brighta to say that you were chayiv and Rishit harabin? The first position said, Mishalemis Mashanen is, and the second position said, Ein So where was that language, saying that you're going to be putter in Rishit harabin? That sounds like more of a basis saying you're going to be chayiv. I just didn't see how they fit it in the words of the Brighta. So I was just worrying about making it fit with another Gemara. I'm just, I just don't want to see how it parses the Brighta. Okay. Anyway, that is the discussion of, so to one degree, it's a very local discussion, certainly not as broad and interesting as the question about, you know, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, about Zenen of Zelochasar, but within our Arba Amos, if you would, of, uh, of, of uh, you know, of, of Arba Amos Nazikin, and, you know, and the case of Shane and Regel, to think, why is Shane and Regel Pater? You know, what's the difference of Rishit Rabbi Mishit Nazik? Is it fundamentally Chayev everywhere, and Rishit Rabbi is a special tour? Is it fundamentally Pater everywhere, and Rishit Rabbi is a special Chayev? How do you deal with things that are technically not Rishit Rabbi, but functionally they are like Rishit Rabbi, and so on? That, I think, is what those questions were. Well, we're not seriously that Rabbi now Chaya, right? That no, no, no. That was I, I didn't see. I, that was like a complete whatever. So, not, not a serious topic. I mean, I don't even understand how it was reading right. So, so, okay. According to Rashi, Rashi says the Tukar Chava, and now I'm even Yeah, I just don't see how does it work within the words of Ein Darka Lahalech Lechol El Lahalech. How do those words mean? You're Chaya Mitokar Chava. Not like Karen, like it's not not Orche, and you're Chaya. Ein Darka Lechol. Oh, I see what you're saying. If it normally doesn't eat, it doesn't normally have a right to eat, even, I mean, even, even, oh, I'm sorry, I see what you're saying. Okay, it normally doesn't have a right to eat, even in Rosh Hashanah, eat, oh, right, 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 okay, that's it, that's it, right, thank you, thank you. I don't know why it wasn't, uh, wasn't registered. Right, so what that Havani would be saying would be, even in Rosh Rabin, it should be doing nothing other than just walking. Walk, right. So anything it's doing in Rosh it does no, we have no license for it to be eating in Rosh Rabin. Right, that's you're right. That's what it would be saying. So even in Rishon Arabim, it would be high of the only place it would be butter is if you brought your fruit into this guy's domain. But once this, what, if this animal is out in some general public space, 
Right, you're high for everything it does, right? I'm sorry. I don't know why it wasn't registered. Okay. So that Rabbi Gemara did want to read it. There would be chayv everywhere, except in Rishut HaMazik. But anyway, the Gemara immediately rejects that, right? That has never been a viable thinking. The only question, the real question is, clear, everybody, it's clear that you're part of Rishut HaRabim. The question is how to frame it between these two. And the man okay. that is Hamavir, right? In other words, Zayachem, right. Zayachem, Well, but yes, but we read that as Satan regular. Let's look at the next Mishnah. HaKelev HaGadish HaKav Tumiro Shagad, Meshiv Lethar Kelev, Meshalim Nezek Shalem. Nei shehen muadi. Okay, so the, the 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 dog and the uh, uh, the goat they jump from the head of a from the top of a roof from the rooftop and they break vessels below. That is nevi shalim because they're muad, which is it's a type of a regel essentially. So we're doubling back. We did regel and shayna. We're doubling back to regel. Okay, and it's something. It's not like an onus. It's something you could have expected. Okay, it's not a shinoi. Hakelav shenato charara. Now this is going to be the case that we're going to be focusing on. A dog took a, uh, a, a, a uh, what's it called, a biscuit. We had it earlier. And then it went to a, a haystack. Um, he ate the biscuit and it, uh, and it lit a fire in the haystack. Presumably it's a type of a throwers, okay? It's a shame by the harara. And presumably it's a type of a throwers. It's incidental. It's not directly the body of the animal itself on the Haystack, but we will see about it. Actually, Gadisha is not a haystack; it's a weak stack, right? So we, it's a weak one, much more expensive than a haystack. I mean, a, a sheaf, a sheaf, or whatever. I can't really imagine a scenario of a dog or a goat jumping off a roof where it's not suicidal. So it's okay, not a very regular thing. Well, uh-huh. and actually, it doesn't want to jump down. It's a tall building. Oh, it's a dog. It looks like a cat. That would be ten feet. Right, and and that makes me wonder about the 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 dog with the yeah, but I understand that the biscuit is, it's not, the biscuit yeah, is in its like, mouth. The biscuit's attached to the, yeah, the, to, to the, to the yeah. I mean, no, the, the, the ember is attached it's to the ember. Oh, you're saying the biscuit is hot. Yeah. All right. It's not for a dog to pick up something that's burning hot. Okay, I don't know what to tell you. The whole point of this mission is that it is dark, though. So, <laughs> all right. So anyway, but I hear the question. Time about, okay, you time of the cuffs. The reason is that they jump. Enough would put there. If they fell off the roof and broke something, you'd be exempt. So this is a classic question. So you began, you were negligent. In the end, something well, happened. Having your dog up on the roof? Yeah, you were negligent having your dog up on the roof. That it was, for, because remember, if it's a rego, it means it's falling into, it's jumping into chatzer hanizak. So you had your dog up on a roof where it would have been reasonable to expect it could have, a dog's question aside, jump off of the roof and break stuff in the, in the person's property below, right? It's a chatzer hanizak below. So that's negligent of you. If you, if you did have a certain degree of negligence, you'd be exempt. So there's a degree of negligence, but then something happened that was not to be anticipated. It fell off the roof. So you have a market, so it's not tall enough to prevent dogs. Well, or you don't have a market. I don't know. Okay. So Zgmer says, um, putter. So, so it sounds like that, that, would, that you'd be putter. Tanya mami hachi. Yakel v'tishi kapsu moshagad v'shu v'ta kelim. V'shan nezik shalem. If they jumped and broke, you'd be full. That's a type of a regal. It happened in Chatar Nizak. Not luke turim. If they just sell, you'd be exempt. So, that's good if you generally say, we are not getting into this debate. This is a whole major debate elsewhere. We're just briefly referencing it. If you generally say that if you begin with negligence, but then as a result of the fact that the, that the sort of, you know, you did your first act, something unforeseen happened, okay, never, that you're exempt, then that works. Um, but the one who says you're higher because if it wasn't for your initial negligence, this unforeseen thing wouldn't have happened. Okay, so it's all tied into your initial negligence. Michael and Amor, what can you say? You should be high. So the Gemara says, No, no, the case would be, would be that the vessels were right up against the wall. The key cause see that you were not negligent to begin with. Because, because you were only negligent because it would be reasonable to expect the dog might jump. But if it had jumped, it wouldn't fall on them when it jumps, you know, you may, you go, you know, you have a, a horizontal movement as well. And it wouldn't have fallen on the vessels. So you were unus in regarding the vessels to begin with. There was never any pshia regarding those vessels. You didn't even start with any negligence. Fine. There are times even if it falls, you even if you say, bonus putter. There are times you'd be chayv even if it's so, which means there are times you're being posheya even right. if it's even about falling. The right. falling is something to anticipate. What would be those right. cases? It's a shaky wall, yeah. so you should have expected it might have fallen off the wall. 
the Gemara says, Mine, if I were to do not feel archi, you should have expected that if it's a shaky wall, like a, a, a brick might dislodge from the wall, for whatever reason the Gemara doesn't assume the shaky wall means you would assume the animal would fall. So the Gemara says, So, so, low not for archi, but not for inu. Okay, you might have been negligent that a brick would fall off the wall, but that's not what happened. The brick didn't fall off, your animal fell off. Okay, so we're back to that issue. In the end, it wasn't to be expected the animal would fall off. So, which Mark just gives the obvious answer. Look, it's a narrow wall, narrow wall, and shaky, I don't know. Anyway, the point is you were negligent about the animal falling off as well. So if you're stupid enough to take your animal up to a rooftop where the animal could fall off, and there you're negligent about that, then you would obviously pay for the falling off as well. Okay, Tana Rabbana, a rabbi's talk. So you have a dog or a goat that is jumping from, from below up to ring. That's considered to be unusual. Is that mean what? Are dogs should jump? To, I mean, I guess a dog might, I don't know, you can get a dog to beg, right? But the dog actually you jump. You jump like from a lower place yes. to higher. Do, but the dogs do that? Will a dog jump from the floor like to yes. the table? Yes. Yes. So I don't understand this. That just exacerbates Dove's question because it's assuming it's natural for it to jump down and unnatural for it to jump no, up. They'll jump up. How about goats? Anybody know about goats? Oh, they jump the goats like jumping up all the time. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. I don't know what that but from above below your chayav. We're just going to work with the assumption somebody will be able to do some research coming what the Gemara is talking about. Anyway, for whatever reason, it says jumping up is unusual, jumping down is usual. So jumping up, you're going to be putter. Now, there's a question between Rashi and Tosin, does it mean putter to shinoi, and therefore you're going to say have? Or does it mean putter? It is so bizarre, so unusual, you're like an honest and you pay nothing. All right, anyway, Rashi says you pay half. Anyway, the Gemara says, okay, so Adam Batarnago, however, a person or a chicken, whichever direction, because the person, so the person's always liable for damages, and I guess chickens are supposedly natural for them to jump both ways. Don't ask me. We're just going to get through this one. Vatanya, the top of Chafez and the don't we teach it a breaker? That the dog and the and the uh, goat, whether it's above or below, either direction or putter. People who have been saying that it is, uh, well, whatever. Anyway, so it's putter both ways. How do you deal with the fact that you said that it's only putter if it goes up and chayv if it goes down? So the Gemara says, The reason it's putter both directions, whether it's going up or down, is that it's like twisting in midair. Okay? They're doing a flip. Kalba is the kira. The dog does something like some type of a flip. The god gives the sricha and the, and, the, and the goat does some type of, I don't know, of a, uh, of, a, uh, of, a, of a climbing on the wall. Anyway, it does weird things, okay? The dog, and, and because it's doing weird things, so it's not really whether it's jumping up and down that makes it putter. The reason it's putter is because it's doing these weird flips and jumps. So the Gemara says, Yihaki am I so, why are they putter? Meaning, the Gemara says, if that's the way, if somehow that should make it a type of a shinoi and half payment, but it shouldn't be completely exempt. So, the Gemara says, Alright, I cannot, so it's fine, it's a shinoi, it does it halfway. As I cannot worry too much about this Gemara. We're going to move on. I don't understand what you basically, everybody here has said is that the actual, the natural thing is the opposite of it. The basic principle is, if it does something natural, you pay full. If it does it unnatural, then depending on how degree of unnatural and unexpected, you might be considered a total honest and pay nothing. Or if there's a tiny amount, or if it's not completely honest, right, then it gets into the, the Karen category and you would pay half. Exactly how that works up about up and down and doing flips, I don't know. And that's not for me, whether it's a knas or whether it's a hessianism. Well, yes, that's the two ways of understanding the half, yes. And whether which line of, of Shia you're on. All right, we are now going to turn to a very central sugya, and let's focus on this. Okay, Hatel Shinato, the dog that takes the weight. Okay, Itmar, it was taught. Reb Yochanan Amar, Yishamishum Chitzav. The fire is for it. fire. Why is the Torah saying Yechaya when you light a fire and it goes out and does damage? So this is the core conceptual question about the nature of the obligation of fire. Okay, so Reb Yochanan says it is, a, it is considered like your arrow. It's basically you did the actual lighting of the fire, and then the wind took it. 
It's basically all a continuation of your initial action. So it's like shooting an arrow. It's like you did it. No, it's not because it's not like you, your actions then burnt down the skies. It's not like you burnt down the skies forest or or or, or a sheaf of grain. It's like the thing you own. You made something a fire and that escaped. Like your animal escaping, so you're liable for something that is yours and the damage that something you owned did that was yours did, but not because you actually are seen as the person who did the damage. All right, so very interesting question. Now, now there are there's some very important questions to be asking here before we even get any further. Which is number one, what type of age are we talking about? The age of the Torah is something where I might be negligent, but I'm not intentional. Okay, let's say for example, we've got Michael's uh, stack of grain right there, and I'm trying to burn it down, and I basically Sense where the wind is coming from, okay? And I know that the wind is going to get, I read my weather report, I know the wind is going to get stronger in the next two minutes or something, and it's going to be a strong back wind. I light it here, okay, it's a straight path to Michael's brain, and I step aside and I let the wind come and do it, or whatever, right? So, is that, we're going to say that's Mamono? Like, at what stage is my intention and the likelihood of that Koach Acher, maybe would people agree that that actually would be completely like I did it directly, or maybe not? The bottom line is, the wind took it, I didn't take it, I'm a grumma. So that's like one question. Classic age is if there's negligence and not intention. What about if there's intention? I think that's one thing to be asked. Like arson, you think? Yeah. The, well, arson is you directly, right. if you let the wind bring it. Okay? The other question to be asking is whether the Gemara means this um, in Kola um, Torakula, or is it a specific question of what category of the Avos Nazikin to put it into? For example, if you say, okay, if I light a fire and I'm negligent about it, I mean, let's bracket the intention question, and I'm negligent about it, it goes and spreads, and God forbid it kills somebody, do I go into Golos, right? Is that like I murdered the person or not, right? Or, and according to, uh, right, would, it, would we apply the same principle by, uh, by the definitions of Ritzicha, okay? Or, here's a question that the Imuka Yosef asked. She says, if we say when I light my fire and then five minutes later it burns down your house, it's like I burned down your house. He says, why do we like why do we light Shabbos candles? He says, I light a candle right before Shabbos and then it continues to burn on Shabbos, so it should be like on Shabbos, I'm making a fire. Now that's a funny question. He has an answer to that. His answer is, is that even if we say it doesn't mean you did the act. Then it means it's all seen from the very moment you lit it as if you did the act. Okay, so so it's like you lit. So even if the fire continues to burn on Shabbos, what you did was before Shabbos. So if I light my fire again, it burns down your house. Yes, I burnt down your house, but I burnt it down from the moment I lit the fire. His nafkamina would be: let's say somebody lights the fire. Ten minutes later, it burns down his neighbor's house. But before it burnt down his neighbor's house, this guy dropped dead. Okay, so he says, can you now collect from the heirs? Can the heirs say, no, when the fire burned down the house, my father was dead, so he wasn't burning down the house. <laughs> so clearly, presumably, we attribute the action to the moment of the lighting of the fire. Okay, that's a separate question, but what I'm sort of bringing up is the fact that he thinks you can raise a Shabbos question based on this discussion in the Gemara. Right? Is this discussion in the Gemara a general question of how we look at fire, or is it no? The Torah says you pay damages when your fire burns something down. We know that there are two categories of, of, dam- of paying for damages. When you break, destroy something, and when your property destroys something. Which of those two categories is the Torah putting it into? Within the laws of, ne- of, of Nezek, not within some general Kolotora Kula principle. Within the laws of Nezek, which of those categories does it belong to? That's a very different type, a much more local and focused type of a question. Let's see what the Gemara says. Okay? So, Itma. Reveal Reshlokishamar Eshomishumamono. Reshlokishmaitamalomak Reshlokishmaitamalomak Why do Reshlokishmaitamalomak Why do like Reshlokishmaitamalomak 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 Because the normal arrow, your energy propels the arrow. It's all your things through the arrow. Hi, Lobishlokishmaitamalomak You did one act. And then the wind came and did it. So you were the original, like you were you know, the, the thing that began the process, but it wasn't in the end your energy communicated through the fire. So it wasn't your act. Why does the Yohan not feel like Rishlach? He said it's a case of Mamona Mazik. 
ha because your property has some substance to it. This is like fire is not something that you really like own. Now you might that's just a question, can I own fire? If you come and you steal you you know, talk about Zenanevizolochasar, I have a fire burning and you go ahead and you stick a stick into my fire and you get a fire right, that's okay. But can you say you stole my fire? So there's a question, can you technically own fire? But what he's saying is that even if you can like own it and you know, you made a fire, you have rights to it. It's not the same type of a thing that's like your property that goes and does damage. This is just pure energy, okay? So it's not within the category when the Torah says you're chayav when your property goes ahead and does damage. Um, so let's take a look. Um, now, by the way, there's an interesting um, tosis here. Um, um, let's take a quick look at these two tosises. Eishem Mishum Chitzav. Tosis says, Lo sheyavir ba'atzmo so actually, Tosu says, because it's also interesting, right, that if you, you know, even if you uh, are just negligent in the, in the flame, that makes it your chet. Like who actually lit the initial fire? Let's say, right, uh, my wife went ahead and she, la- and she lit the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the grill, and then I, she walked, and then she walked away, and then I was supposed to watch it. And I was completely negligent about it, and then it spread. I would say, well, it's her fire, she lit it. So it's my fire, I was one negligent. So this becomes even more interesting in abstracting the idea of what does it mean, it's my act. My act, I didn't even light the fire. I was just negligent about the fire, and that makes it my fire and my act. How did you become to be the one that was responsible for it? I don't know, let's say I made you my showmare. You know, there's ways in which you know, I can transfer responsibility without you being the one who's actually, you know, did the act of lighting it. Um, so then, now the next toast is Eishem Yishu Mamono. So it says, Kolo Merchiv Mamono Yeshpo, Velo Sheyeshalo. This is like the flip, well, not the flip, maybe it's the same. Anyway, it doesn't matter who owns it, right? Like, you could have lit the fire, okay? But um, if I go ahead and I take a fire that you lit, and I light somebody else's, you know, uh, stack of grain with it, I can't say, well, it's your dog that ate the stack of grain. It's not, you know? So there's a way in which, so what Tosis is pointing out is whether it's Chitab or Mamono, it's like the, the, the way it gets associated with me is not necessarily that I own it or that I lit it. The way in which it gets associated with me is that I was, yes, we have to establish why am I responsible for it, but if I become responsible and negligent about it, or certainly if I'm intentional, then that makes it, you know, my fire, my fire, my mum on, and so on. So those two toasts are basically getting at the same point, which is, and it's a bigger chiddish, I think, if we say mishum chitza, because we're really saying, even if you didn't do the physical act of lighting it, your error because of your negligence. It could also be your mummon because of your responsibility and your negligence. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, um, okay, so the Gemara says like this. Da, 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 da. Okay. Be slain, right. Now, now, let's see how this works in our Mishnah. Hakel Shinato Harara. So the dog took the biscuit. Be slain, the caliphate. So if it's because of chitzav, so why do you pay half on the uh, sheaf of grain? So if it's chitzav, so the same way it's my, it could be my, my sort of arrow, it could be my dog's arrow. So if I light a fire and it spreads, it's like I did it. If my dog creates a fire and it spreads, it's like my dog did it. Okay? So therefore, my dog burnt down the sheaf. My dog did it, but it did it indirectly. That would be throwers. That would be half damages. Okay? Chitzav the caliphate. Uh, but it's not seem like I did what my fire did. I'm high because my fire is like I owned an animal that went to damage. This fire is not the, it's, it's not my fire. My dog made a fire. If my dog made a fire, it doesn't become my fire. It's my dog's fire. So my dog doesn't, uh, if my dog owns a pet, okay, I wouldn't have to, <laughs> I wouldn't have to pay for the damage that my, that my animal, of an animal owned by an animal. That wouldn't happen, right? The Torah is only mechai of me when my animals do damage. And for women, so when my fire, my dog does damage, my fire or my dog does damage, I'm chaya. If my dog's fire does damage, it's not my fire, and I'm not chaya for things that my dog owns. Again, not my dog did, my dog owns, that's the concept here. Wait, why is that not intuitive? Wait. Right. So if you say that all of this is about negligence, then you're right. Then what difference does it make? I'm responsible, I'm negligent, and so on. Okay? But again, 
the the whole sort of the whole this whole first half of Abakama is about the balance between pure negligence isn't obligated. It's some it has to be negligence working within the four categories that the Torah like creates. Right? So this is saying that this sort of falls between the categories. The Torah obligated you if you're negligent with your money. It obligated you know with your property, okay, but you weren't negligent with your property. This fire <coughs> wasn't your property. And you weren't negligent with your uh, things that your dog did. You were so you're you're not obligated to be to, to, to you're not to be responsible for property that's owned by your dog. <laughs> that's the uh, only for your property is what you're responsible for. Your dog can own property. So you would own something
that's my action or that's my koa. So the dog, through the biscuit or through the ember, the immediate point of contact is koho. It does, you know, the, the, that, that's directly where it came in contact with and where it burned. That's where you pay half. The rest of the, of the, of the spreading, you totally are putter. Okay? Now, shot of the Mishnah. The Mishnah sounds like you're high of half or everything that it burns. Alright? So Rishakish says... So this is the Gadish, it's like the immediate thing, the immediate point of impact on the Gadish? Yes, immediate point of impact. The same way if it was a rock, the immediate thing the rock broke, you pay half for. If it's an ember, the immediate thing the ember burnt, you pay half for. But any further spreading, that's, uh, mamon, that's the mamon of the Kelev, and essentially, therefore, you pay nothing. Well, he says he's potter for the Gadish. Because, right, because that's where it spreads. It spreads. Right. So, the Gemara says, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. That's shame. Where the kel hit, that's not yet spreading of a fire. That's the direct act, or the indirect, it's the koho. But that's clearly koho. It's like throwing a rock. And that you pay half. But on the entire sheaf, then it's spreading, and then you're exempt because we told Aisha Mishu Mamono, and this is not your Mamon, this is something your dog did. Yeah. Isn't the difference between a rock that breaks something and a, a projectile that has potential for damages beyond it, like a bomb? Yeah. You know, like this, this, uh, toy. Right. It's a cocoa, but it has, it's built into it is the damages that it's going to yes, cause. Yes, that's what we said. But that, but yeah. that, but, but because we're conceptualizing that extended damage as Mamon and not as Chaitz, then you're putter on that. Right? I mean, you're right, but that's the finish. But you're Rebbe Yochanan would say you're Chaya. How does this whole thing work with Koso? Doesn't Koso say that even if it's in someone else's mamon, if you let it, you're Chaya? Yes, so if you were directly negligent, if you saw your dog doing this, presumably according to Tosfos, right? The question is, what are the circumstances that trigger your responsibility and your negligence, right? But that goes back to our analogy of once your kid brings the pet home, then you might become responsible for it. Only right? if you knew about it. Only right? if you knew about it, right? So it could be, right? That if you actually saw your dog and you were in a place to inter- intervene and you didn't or whatever, then at some point maybe it becomes your age. But but that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you know, it could have been interesting why the bird did it. But if it became your age, then you'd be high Full, you would be high half, right? All right, so the is like this. Um, okay. Reb Yochanan, Reb Yochanan would say, no, no, no. It could be that it just set the coal down. On the, on the biscuit and the place where it was put down, it's full because it didn't throw it. It directly put it down, so that's like gufo, actually, not kocha. The spreading, that's the spreading of the case of Koho, of Tsroros, because Eishem Mishum Chitzav, and that would be half. But if the dog did throw it? If it what? If the, dog, if the dog threw it, and then the first place it hit was Koho, and then it spread, so that becomes the question of how do you talk about Koch Koho? Okay, so Tosus and Rush debate the whole question about how do we wind up talking about Koch Koho? Would you pay a quarter? Would you pay nothing? Would you pay full? So like three possibilities. Why is there a difference between putting it down and throwing it? Like seriously, in other words, it's still going from your body to another place outside of you, only far away or close to No, it. because even if we say that throwers are half, okay, if an animal, I mean, look, we haven't really uh, directly, first of all, the question is what does it mean to put it down? If you, yeah. I mean, if you directly go ahead, I'm going to cause a spill. Anyway, if you take ahead, if you go ahead and take and take a torch and do this, that's considered, even though it went through the torch, your hand, you put a torch against something and you burn, and right, and that place where it hit, that would be goofo. That wouldn't be so attached, you're still attached to it, right? It's an extension of Yeah, exactly. Okay. Of course, Rabbi Yochan, is there yeah. any situation where one would be clive on an entire, um, an entire fire? I mean, uh, you mean even the stuff that happens afterwards that goes yeah, well beyond. So the Gemara is going to deal. So the Gemara is going to deal with tomorrow with the concept of kalulechita. Okay. That w- the, what is considered your hate might be the extent you could have anticipated had you not been negligent from the outset, right? Whereas what happens maybe beyond a certain point, that's that's no longer your case. Okay, so the Gemara will discuss. Like in California wildfire. Right, I understand. Acres and acres and acres. I understand. Let's see if we can manage to turn the page. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Tashma, come in here. Gamok ta'un kishkan, the other Rishid Arabid. So you have a camel carrying flax, and it's passing through in a Rishid Arabid. Nechum zapishkano l'toch hachanut. So the flax goes into the store. Um, and he got lit by the uh, candle of the storekeeper in the store, but you were overburdening your camel, and it was, you know, that's why the flax was going into the store. Okay. Um, and then it lit a fire, the flame, the whole uh, building. Okay, well, no, 
It's sort of it's sort of like the Gemara about Makom Hagachela. It's making it all into Makom Hagachela. So the Gemara says, Ihachi Masefa. Let's look at the end. Is the chenvani puts the candle on the outside? The chenvani is high. If the animal is directly sort of you know hitting against the building or whatever, am I chayav? Why is it? Why is the chenvani the only one who's chayav? Right? Then it's not like an ace that spread. Then the, the, the chenvani is the camel. I'm not saying donkey and it's camel here. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a camel. I keep on saying donkey. Anyway, that, that, then the camel is directly doing it. So maybe it's also this guy's ace. If my camel came and picked up a torch of yours and directly with the torch in its mouth burned things, okay? So if you were negligent, you should be paying for ace. But it's also my camel is directly using your fire and directly doing an act, and I should also be higher. So if it spread, we can say, whose fault was it? Your fault, my fault, it's either your fire or my fault. But if it's not spreading, if it's directly being used, and that's why I'm chayav, I, the owner of the camel, then that should even be, even if you were negligent with the fire, I should actually have some chiyot still, some obligation. So the Gemara says, she'amda. Okay, well, the animal stopped. So how does that help us? How does that explain why, why, why I'm not chayav here? The she'amda, the Gemara says, if it stopped, then certainly, even if you put the fire on the outside, I should be able, my camel is directly torching this building, okay? I should be, be able to intervene and stop it. And why, uh, you know, why are you uh, liable everything? Or well, at, least, well, at least, you know, you should, I, I certainly have liability here, even if you put the candle on the outside. So the Gemara says, and I should be high. So Amr Abuna Bar Manoach, Mishmeh Derad Ika, that the animal had to stop and is now urinating. And because it's urinating, it can't be moved. Okay? You can't get the animal to move once it's standing there and urinating. So now let's just sort of spell this out. Spell it, like, just be the next two lines. Reisha So here's the scenario. Okay, again, according to Reish Lakish, it cannot be that the fire spread. Because if the fire spread, it's Mamono de Gamal, and I'm not chayah from Mamono de Gamal. Okay, it could only be that the fire was directly in contact. People understand why that is true for the Reish Lakish. If my animal does something with a fire for Reish Lakish, the only way I'm going to be higher is if it directly, you know, uses the fire, not if the fire spreads. So the camel came with the flax, lit the fire, and now directly cut, you know, hit, you know, stood where it was and urinated, and as it was standing without the fire spreading, it was directly coming into contact with the building and burning it down. So in that case, well, okay, it was direct act of the animal. I was negligent because I overloaded the camel. I shouldn't have overloaded it with flax. And anything that happened afterwards, as a result of my negligence, it was regular, it was directly the body of the animal. And, you know, it was not, the fire didn't spread, it was directly used, and I'm chayat. How about the case in the end, where you put the, chenvani puts the fire on the outside. Save the chenvani you shouldn't have put the fire on the outside. Fine. But let's still explain why I'm not higher. Because what happened is, you put the fire on the outside. It started with your negligence. I didn't overload my candle. I wasn't negligent. I shouldn't have expected that your candle would be on the outside. You were negligent. Fine. You started negligent. But then my animal takes the fire and is using it. Why am I not negligent right now by not intervening? So there the answer is, I can't intervene. It's standing and it's urinating. It's beyond my control right now, okay? So the same way you say I, it was obvious that I couldn't intervene when the fire was spreading, we've created a scenario where I can't intervene even when the animal is directly using the fire. So bottom line is, that was a little complicated, but bottom line is not, but it, it, it all boils down to, for a shluckish, you can never have any chaya for if my animal lights the fire and the fire spreads. The only thing you can have me high for is if my animal directly uses the fire on the place that it is, you know, that is directly burning with that fire. So this case of the camel, we have to say the case of directly using the fire. And the reason that I'm exempt when it's the fires on the outside, if my animal is directly using it, even though you are negligent with your fire on the outside, why am I exempt? Is it's a case that it's urinating? There's no way right now that I can intervene. So, so I'm an honest right now, and since you were negligent and I wasn't, and I continue to not be negligent because now my animal the animal is urinating, so then I continue to remain exempt. Okay.
Oh, the camels are supposed to be in the dark. Yeah, they're.